I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Spoko Radio presented by Blackheart Gold Pants, SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, DC. With me, as always, is Jerry Sherwin. Jer, how are you? I'm doing great. We just saw another beautiful Iowa Hawkeyes basketball victory in the worst uniforms in the Big Ten. That's going to be a hot topic for Jerry. We'll get to the Iowa victory over Syracuse in a little bit, but the People's Champ is also with us. Champ, how are you since we have last spoken to you on Thanksgiving? I am great on, like Jer said, just witnessed a big time Iowa basketball win in Syracuse. It's actually making me forget about how ugly their jerseys are. If they keep playing like that, it'll make a lot of people forget about how ugly their jerseys are. And maybe it'll get them to get new jerseys in back-to-back years. Who knows? All right, guys, subscribe to the show wherever you guys get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google, wherever. We are everywhere you guys get them. Follow us on Twitter at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. Let's kick off our show with the Outside Zone. Kicking off with a topic that Jerry tweeted about on Monday, during the day on Monday. He had a little thread on, on Iowa football, so we'll throw it to him. But really, it boils down to what should the goal be for Iowa football moving forward? There's been a lot of chatter since Friday, of Iowa's place in the college football landscape, how many wins Iowa's had since 2015 or 2014 when there was a turning point. Jerry, you went on a little thread of putting some context around where Iowa is despite being very high in terms of winning percentage. Um, I'll throw it over to you, but Britt really want to give some details to that thread and then answer the question of where, what the goal should be for Iowa football moving forward. Yeah, so uh, there was a very popular thing this week on Iowa Twitter to go back to 2015 and talk about all of the wins that Iowa's had. And, and don't get me wrong, I think a lot of people might have taken it this way. I, it was kind of like a 50-50 split on Twitter. Um, I saw some people kind of agree with me and shake their head knowingly that this – this is a very nice thing, but not a great, great thing, as everybody else has kind of touted. And while Iowa has currently a 46-19 and 19 record since 2015, I thought it was necessary to kind of look, at, look into, open the door, look behind the curtains, and see what really is taking effect in those, those 19 losses and those 46 wins. And what I found was that since 2015, Iowa's record against ineligible bowl teams— so teams with six wins or less, 
and that's including FCS opponents that we've played, is 26-1. So 56% of their wins right off the top have come against teams that didn't even make a bowl that season. And that also means that they were 20-18 and 18 against teams that were bowl eligible. So Iowa was a coin flip against bowl eligible teams since 2015. Now, if that was the stat and I didn't even tell you that they were 46-19, and 19, I think a lot of people would have a little bit of an issue with that. And that goes into even further, if you dig into that a little bit more. Since 2015, again, Iowa's record against ranked opponents is 7-12. and 12. And that's including a 1-4 record against ranked Wisconsin. And they're 2-6 against ranked teams in the East. 8-7 overall and 0-4 and against Penn State. Now, that's it, not good. It's not good. And, and I think the main thing there that I keep taking away to answer the question that you start off with, D.C., is that 1-4 against Wisconsin. The one year that they won, what happened to Iowa? They beat Wisconsin. And they, and they went to the Big Ten Championship. Exactly. Yes. And those other four years, Iowa was out of the contest before Thanksgiving even came around. And that, to me, should be the goal forever and always under this current regime. When you look at the Iowa Hawkeyes and their NFL pipeline, their facilities, their recruiting, the coaches, the developmental coaches, the staff that they have – currently on this campus is one of the most solidified coaching staffs in all of the nation, at least in terms of getting kids from one stage of football to the next. And for me, having a one and four record against Wisconsin, which is the class of the Big Ten West, is an issue. The Iowa Hawkeyes, it's very nice that they win nine games a season, and I'm sure a lot of people are very thrilled with that. But you can hold them to a higher standard. It's okay to do that. Just because we're quote-unquote little old Iowa and Iowa shouldn't have like this immaculate Big Ten West run is silly to me. I don't understand just because we're Iowa, we can't go and try to contend for a Big Ten championship in the last weekend of, I mean, not, it doesn't even need to be every year. Every other year, every three years, Iowa needs to have won or be in the contest of winning it that last weekend of the college football season. You're you're 100% right, and I think to add a little bit of more fuel to that fire is nine wins is great. I would take nine wins every single year. To Jerry's point, that might not get you in the mix of the Big Ten West every single year, but you're in the conversation in years that it matters, years that might be a little bit down, things like that. But you can't be in the com- in the conversation for the Big Ten West when you're two and three versus Northwestern, when you're three and two versus Purdue in that same five year span. You're six and six the last two years in one score games, when four of those wins came versus teams seven and five or worse. How yeah. is that? Like, if you're a fan of, a fan of this team, how are you just happy with nine wins when it's coming against teams that just aren't very good? And you're with that step proving you're playing down to your competition. You're playing down to teams that are seven and five and worse. And keeping them within ball games, that's how you lose those games. That's how you lose North Dakota State, who's in a completely different football subdivision. Yep. To me, there's no excuse that, that competing for the Big Ten West and, and Jerry, you said you have you put it pretty much pretty easy. Every other year, every three years, they should be in it every year, in my opinion. If you wanna if you wanna claim yourselves as being the bullies of the Big Ten when Brian Ferentz always claims that, with the former players always claim that they are. You need to be in the conversation for the Big Ten West. I'm not saying you need to go beat Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan every year. You need to be able to go toe-to-toe with Wisconsin every year and not be currently 1-4 and with losses by an average margin of over 10 points. That's the key. 
That's the key. I mean, in Wisconsin, this is their sixth appearance out of nine years in the Big Ten Championship. And Iowa's been there one time. That's inexcusable. If you want to be into that echelon of where you are competing with Wisconsin, you got to go to at least three or four Big Ten Championships and, and make Wisconsin go to three or four. That's what, I mean, honestly, in the nine years since the Big Ten Championship has started, it should be about three or four for Wisconsin three or four for Iowa, and then maybe, you know, every four years a random team. Yeah, like you have a, like a Northwestern. You know, a, a Northwestern makes it. But there's no excuse for Iowa and Wisconsin not to be controlling the West because let's be honest, we all know that the West is a lot weaker side of the division than the mm-hmm. East is. Mm-hmm. When they realign the conference, we got a pretty good draw going to the West, basically mm-hmm. having to compete against Wisconsin. Now I, I understand Minnesota is maybe getting up to that upper echelon. But until they beat Iowa or Wisconsin consistently, I don't consider Minnesota part of that group. So they shouldn't be in that conversation either. Iowa, Wisconsin are your top two teams in the West, and one out of nine Big Ten championship appearances is ridiculous, and we should want more. I, everybody loves the consistency of Kirk Ferentz and the coaching staff and Phil Parker. That's not what we're arguing. We love that. We don't want a new coach every three or four years like Nebraska goes through or some of these other Big Ten Conference teams go through. But we want to be competing for Big Ten championships. We want to at least be going there every two, three years, or, you know, every other year. Fuck, we should we should be able to beat Wisconsin in Kinnick Stadium, and we haven't been able to do that the last three times we've played them. At home, we've lost them, and that shouldn't happen. We should be able to beat them consistently at home. And you touched on the best point there, champ. None of us are asking or saying that these stats are indicative of a firing. Nobody's no. saying that. And I think everybody just assumes that this is an indictment on Kirk Ferentz. Kirk Ferentz has built this program to what it is. And Iowa probably would be little old Iowa if Kirk Ferentz didn't do what he's done. And that's a big part because of Chris Doyle as well. Nobody's asking for any of those guys to leave. And I will be heartbroken if any of them were to leave, and that's including Phil Parker, that's including Brian Ferentz, who is ushering this team into the next renaissance of offense, despite the fact that it might be 2007's offense as opposed to 2019's. Now, the whole goal for Kirk Ferentz at the start of every single year is to win a Big Ten championship. So why do the fans of this program not hold them to the same standard? If it's Kirk's goal and it's the player's goal, why are we just being okay with nine wins and not having a Big Ten West championship? Nobody's asking them to go to beat Ohio State and Indy. Nobody's asking them to go to a playoff. It's to be in the running. The reason people are fine with it is because it's these one-score games. It's when, Jerry, you and I were on Twitter Mm -hmm. yesterday talking about this, and people are calling... They're close. They're close. It was a two two point game against against Wisconsin. It was a what a seven point game against Michigan. It was a five point game against Penn State. But you know what? At some point, you need to look in the mirror, and this is I think our biggest criticism right now is if you have a talent disadvantage, which I was closing the gap on, but that still exists. Yep. You need to do something else schematically or from a decision-making standpoint to get yourself out of being in a one-score game. Give yourself mm-hmm. a chance. If you're, take, if you're being aggressive as the underdog 
and not necessarily by by a point spread perspective, but from a talent perspective, and you still lose by two scores, that's fine. You're taking a chance. People realize, people will stop saying, oh, it's little old Iowa coming up close, but just not enough, and saying, I was going to knock off some people, and they're going to get rolling on this, and then it's going to it's gonna come to 2015 when you're undefeated, and people are going to respect you because you're pouring it on against people and not winning by the by what some people consider luck. That's a great point you just made right there. Of the three losses this year, they've all they were all by one score or less. I think everybody and their mother would have taken two blowout losses if they would have went in and beat Wisconsin. It wouldn't have mattered. They could have lost those two other games by three touchdowns each. And as long as we would have beat Wisconsin, we would have been in Indy right now preparing for the you know Big Ten Championship. And no one would have remembered the fact that they lost two, two games by a shit ton of points. Instead, now we have to talk about how we lost these three games by a touchdown or less. Who cares? It's a loss, and that's all that mattered. And you were eliminated from the conference, being in the conference title with three weeks to go in the season. And that's flat-out inexcusable. And to go to one conference title in nine years that it's been in existence and that's all you talk about wanting to do it should be better and we should want better for our program kirk's whole mantra is to win close games as we've mentioned this year there are four and three in one score games four and three and that that's pretty much, honestly better than they've been in recent years and that's not saying much that's that's what i was getting to champ i'm glad you mentioned that because i was a coin flip in these games but for 20 years kirk's basically dedicated his entire career on playing these types of games. Anytime Iowa gets a lead, they go into the turtle shell, as Zach likes to point out, the other member of Spoko here. He says they turtle, and they turtle a lot, and they just lean on their defense and special teams, and they're happy playing the field position game. And that's fine if you are closer to having a 75% winning percentage when you do so. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely correct. And so I think when people get mad at us for, for wanting more, I think we're putting ourselves out there and, and putting context around the context that needs to be put against these losses. You, it's, it's fine winning nine games, but if you're not achieving your goal and the goal that you're setting and stating publicly on media day, you, sh- and you should be held, held to that standard if you're holding your team to that standard. It's okay. It's okay to want more based on what you've accomplished previously. This is why I tweeted, I retweeted Jerry's thread and said that this isn't an indictment of Kirk Ferentz. This is wanting more based on what he's already accomplished. He's been here for 21 years as of recording this podcast today on December 3rd. 21 years ago today, Kirk Ferentz was hired as the head coach of the University of Iowa. He's done amazing things. It's okay to hold him to a different standard 21 years from when he first was hired at the University of Iowa and wanting him to maybe abandon his one-score belief in, in these games and try to play for, just try to win and put points on the board. If you played games like you did in that fourth quarter against Wisconsin where you're mounting a comeback and making it a two-point game, then people are going to be a lot happier and you're going to win a lot more of those games and you lose. Yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean, you guys talked about it. I obviously couldn't be on the post-game show this week because I had to watch the game on DVR later, but you guys talked about it on the post-game show. There's no reason Iowa shouldn't have hammered Nebraska this week. They were clearly the better team. They dominated them for the entire first half, and then they turtled up in the second half and let the referees dictate this game so it can be close when Iowa should have won that game by three touchdowns. 
they're a clearly better team than Nebraska. They were showing that they were a better team for much of the first half, and then all of a sudden they didn't want to do anything in the second half, and they said, all right, we're going to leave this game up to the officials, and it almost cost them a game, honestly. And the same holds true, champ, when we were watching the Wisconsin game. That ended up being a two-point a two point game, but was it wasn't really wasn't close until that fourth quarter. No, not Because at all. when they got aggressive on offense, they started putting up points and closing that gap. If you play that way for a full game, who knows what that score is going to be? People are coming at me saying they're closer than you think because it was a two score. It was a two point game against Wisconsin. Were they really? If you go back and watch that game, did that feel like a two point loss to Wisconsin? No, no. I mean, it was a first quarter where Iowa dominated, and they were somehow tied after the first quarter. And then the second and third quarters, Wisconsin dominated Iowa. It was they a, gave I up mean, 300 yards on the ground. I literally walked out of the room. You were at my house. I was like, you know what? I'm going to change to go to work because this game's over. I come back down. All of a sudden, you said the offense opened it up and started passing, and that's how bad it was. The Wisconsin game started off just like that Ohio State game, basically, with the fumble. They miss a field goal. It was setting up perfect for Iowa to do that miraculous thing where they finally figure out a way to just overcome a demon. But they never were able to do that. No, they weren't. All right, guys, I mean... Real quick, though, DC, maybe maybe this is just us being corporate as hell, but in any situation, this team is just like a corporate entity. You start off at a level, and every single year, you are supposed to... Like, if if I made a million dollars in year one, I hope to make a million five in year two. And at the 21-year mark of the Kirk Ferentz era, where he is basically the CEO and he has some hot-shot young kid about to take his spot, if this is Succession, Brian Ferentz would definitely be... Uh, what's the girl's name in Succession? Do either of you watch it? No. I have not have not kept up with it. Somebody will tweet it at me. I'm blanking on it anyways. <laughs> but you would expect that they would go and they'd make $10 million next year. They need to be a 10-win team. They need to be an 11-win team. That is acceptable. Absolutely. And these expectations are why we make the predictions we make at the beginning of the year. And then we come back to this point right now, what we're going to do on today's show and rehash why we were wrong. So I think that's the best way to jump into the rest of the show today is go through our predictions from the beginning of the season and put a stamp on the regular season of the, of the Iowa Hawkeye football season. And I think we, we all have a little bit of, of atoning to do for our predictions. I think Jerry and I, if I look back at Blackheart Gold Pants, we wrote down that we both had them going 11-1. and one. We both had them with one conference loss in, in uh, or no, sorry, we had them each with one loss. I had them with a conference loss. Jerry had them undefeated and losing to Iowa State. Sure I did. believe that was correct. And Champ, you had them at 10-2. and two. So, uh, Champ, you were the closest, but, I mean, where do you guys want to kind of go with this is... Where do you guys think uh, things went right in terms of, of coming close to our predictions? And where do they go wrong? Champ, we'll start with you. Where do you think what went well this year? Uh, so I predicted, like you said, 10-2. and two. I had them losing to Penn State and to Michigan in conference. And I had them beating Wisconsin. So if that came to fruition, if we would have went 10-2 and two and had our only two losses were those two games and we beat Wisconsin like we could have, we'd be in the Big Ten Championship now. But we didn't. So, for me, things there were a lot of things this year that went right. I'll start on the defensive front. I think the defense, the entire season, from the first game until the last game, played their asses off. They played themselves. They, 
This defense, honestly, they could have been a 12-0 team with the defense that they played this season. The only game where I think the defense struggled was the Wisconsin game against Jonathan Taylor. And there's no harm in that because Jonathan Taylor is one of the best players in the nation. That offensive line is one of the best in the nation. And yes, you're going to give up games like that, but you still only gave up 24 points to a Wisconsin team and you were right in that game and could have won that game. So for me, the biggest positive on the season was the defense. And then my second biggest positive is the special teams. I think the special teams the entire season was absolutely great, led by Keith Duncan, who should be the Lou Groza Award winner. Iowa, you know, the Iowa Twitter has been trying to get that vote up. The Georgia fans are just flying in trying to get that. Luckily, that's not how the Lou Groza is going to be decided. It's only a factor, but Keith Duncan is the best kicker in the nation. Amir Smith-Marset is probably the best returner in the nation. He showed that again this week against Wisconsin, taking one of the house. Consistently, when a, when a, yeah, what did I say, Wisconsin? Sorry, against Nebraska, taking one of the house. But consistently, when Amir Smith-Marset got his hands on the ball in special teams, he made things happen. And then Michael Sleep Dalton probably wasn't as good as we thought he was going to be, but was still a significant improvement over any punter that we've had the last three or four seasons. So those were my two things that I love the most, were the defense and the special teams. Two of the three units, honestly, were played well enough for you to be an 11 or 12 win team. Could you imagine, Champ, what this team would look like if we didn't have Keith Duncan? Yeah, I mean, the guy led the nation in field goal attempts and makes, and the, he was a walk-on. but He didn't even have a scholarship coming into this season. Luckily, he just got rewarded a scholarship for the season by Kirk Ferentz and the crew. But yeah, I mean, going into the season, Keith Duncan wasn't even guaranteed a job. I mean, he was battling for that kicker job, and he proved to be the best kicker in the country. He he certainly did. And like, champ, I think you hit the nail. Two, two-thirds of, of these units played really well all season long. But Jared, where, what went well in terms of you and getting close to your prediction of 11-1, 9-0 in the season? What Where do you think Iowa hangs her head on this year first of all my prediction shouldn't have been wrong because Iowa should have won two of those three games that they lost honestly they could have won all three just like Champ mentioned the the weird thing of this defense as Champ mentioned which is obviously the starting point so I'm not even gonna get back into it Champ you already mentioned it DC I'm sure you have some things to mention too but they give up the most points they gave up this entire season were 24 points, and it was against both Nebraska and Wisconsin, who are Big Ten West rivals of ours. And the rest of the season, they shut down everybody else. So even those Big Ten East teams that I mentioned earlier that I was struggling with, they still were able to hold them well under their seasonal average in points. So, yes, the offense that I touted at the beginning of the year did not hold their bargain. Nate Stanley was not as good as I was hoping that he would be week in and week out. And now that the season is over and he's going to be moving on as a professional athlete, I wish him all the best. But he did not perform as the senior he should have. Now, with that how said. Did that, how did that feel coming out of your mouth? Did that feel good? <laughs> Honestly, it was like a little bit of a relief because I've been trying so hard to just like will him. And, like, my, I just don't have that kind of sway, I guess. Is that like a Nate Stanley-sized stone off your chest? It is. Right Honestly, like, I feel like I can go, go, like, run a mile or something right now. That's how light I feel. Like, don't, don't push it, big boy. That's go true. Ahead. I have a stomachache right now. Um, <laughs> but I think what needs to be mentioned is the amount of young talent that has been identified on the offensive side of the football that will allow Iowa to hopefully pick up right where they're leaving off and hopefully excel even in 2020. 
Sam Laporta, I have to mention him first because he's my guy. I know we have Tyler Goodson, too. Don't worry, champ, I'm getting yeah, there. Please, Sa- I mean, can we mention the best freshman on the team first, or are you going to talk about the guy who played Here's the deal, though, here. because this is the Iowa offense and a Brian Ferentz offense. The tight end is integral to what they do, and if you can identify a talent like his, everything else for Tyler Goodson is only going to be that much better. They have some really good talent on the offensive line. Maybe Alaire Jackson stays. Tristan Wirfs might be moving on, but there's some good talent that Doyle is definitely going to build throughout the offseason. And the playmakers that are spread out at the wide receiver position are going to be even better than they were this year, and that's a scary thought. So if this, if, if um, Spencer Petras can walk into the huddle next year and be just an average Big Ten quarterback, I was going to win a lot of football games again next year too. I mean, you're you're still on this offense, man. They had as many field goals as touchdowns this year. The I, only team in the country that have as many field goals made as touchdowns scored. Right, you want to know the truth? You want to know the what? truth? Yes. Nate Stanley missed about seven to eight touchdowns easy this year by overthrows. He's also made some pretty bad decisions, and half of it wasn't always his fault because the interior offensive line wasn't solidified for a good three, four-game stretch in there. So he was always panicking, and third downs, he couldn't find open receivers. But he missed a lot of touchdowns. This should be a different type of touchdown scoring team if they have a quarterback that can hit a long-distance pass, and I know you both agree with that. So I finally said it because it's over. It's done. I don't have to stick up for this guy anymore, but there should have been a lot more scoring. But yes, I'm glad that you finally said all those things that needed to be said throughout the season, but you just kept touting Nate Stanley as this great quarterback when he showed his not only this season, but his entire career that he wasn't that. I mean, yes, he's going to go down as one of the better quarterbacks Iowa's ever had, but that doesn't mean he's a great quarterback. That just means that the quarterbacks that Iowa's had in their history haven't been very good. So that's how I see it. I know DC agrees with me, and it's about fucking time that you finally said it all year. (laughs) I mean, it, yes, it's that. It's partially that. But I also think, and I've, and I've held true this belief since the Penn State game, Iowa does an, a magnificent job of moving the ball to the 50-yard line. Once they cross that 50, I don't know what happens to play calling, but it goes into just ultra-conservative mode, and they can't, they can't move the ball anymore, and they just settle for field goals. So, yes, like a change in quarterback might help. But I think the bigger thing is they need to figure out is who the heck is taking control of this offense next year when they need to put points on the board? They need to find a go-to player, a go-to play, a go-to personnel set, Sam formation, LaPorta. whatever, no. to Byers get a touchdown. Because you can't rely on big plays because you get overthrows on deep balls, you get drop passes, you have to rely on, on long runs and people and people having speed. And Austin Tyler Goodson, Iowa doesn't have as much speed as, as most other teams. So you do need to be able to manufacture drives and sustain them to put up touchdowns. You can't just settle for field goals. And to me, that's the biggest thing of what went wrong this season that we've harped on game after loss after loss this year, and even after some wins, is the offense not being able to put the ball, finish drives, and get through the end zone and have to settle for field goals. Granted, yes, it's going to work out and and get Keith Duncan the Lou Groza award, but you know what? If, if our kicker's not getting in the top three finalists for that, I, the offense is better than 100th in scoring in the country, I'm going to be pretty happy with that. Yeah, I think we all are. I mean, as much as we love 
Keith Duncan and what he's done this year. I hope he kicks six field goals next year and that we score our touchdowns on 85% of the drives with all these playmakers and this offensive guru that Jerry keeps touting and Brian Ferentz. <laughs> but I will say, Potley, I don't want to be the podcast that is negative. So from a positivity standpoint, they released the all Big Ten defensive teams today, both the coaches and the media. And the big thing to take away is Iowa only had one first team. If you look at just the coaches, the coaches' results, one first teamer, one second teamer, and one third teamer. But this defense, as you guys both pointed out, was lights out, was elite all season long, holding teams to their lowest points per ge- points in games all season long. And that goes to a team effort, being a team focused defense where they might not lose very much defensively next year or going to the draft. AJ Epinesa, sure, he's going to, it's going to be a huge, huge, I can't state how huge a loss is going to be to lose him. But the rest of this unit coming back and getting more experience is going to be great for this defense to carry over next year when you're going to still need a defensive carrying effort when you're breaking in a quarterback. 100%. Go ahead, champ. Go ahead. You were already started. No, if we've learned anything in the Phil Parker era is that no matter who the players, the players' names on the back of the jersey change over and over and over again, but he continues to find players that make plays and keep this defense in the top 20. Yeah, and like DC said, we're really not going to lose many players. Maybe Michael Jamudier is gone. He's a senior, you know, A.J. Epinesa. But besides those two, everybody should be coming back, and the talent should just continue to grow. I mean, they got a lot of talent on that defense, and it should just keep getting better. These freshmen uh, that contributed this year in the nickel, and then we got the linebackers that played well. They're all young. They're all coming back, and I, it's exciting. Yeah, I mean, it, it. there's a lot to look forward to next year. The schedule is a lot harder. You have to go back-to-back weeks versus Ohio State and Penn State. You close the season at Wisconsin, but this is the opportunity you're talking about where you go mm-hmm. into the end of the season and playing Wisconsin for the Big Ten West, it's all on the table if you can navigate the middle part of the schedule, which is daunting. The but Wisconsin it, game is home the last game, right? Yes. Hopefully. Thank yes, God. it is. But it, it's, a, it's an opportunity, what we've, what we've been talking about at the beginning of the show, of, of having everything on the table, having a lot of these offensive weapons back, Hopefully a the quarterback is in a situation where everyone's comfortable with it, and by everyone I mean the coaching staff, and the defense and the defense is just playing at a high level. You have Joe Evans stepping in from a pass rushers perspective for Edge Vanessa. You got more guys, but getting all these freshmen in and and these next wave of freshmen coming in next year, it's going to be great for this team moving forward. There's a lot to be happy about, which is again going back to the point of why, at least on this show, our expectations are so much higher and not just satisfied with winning only nine games. Yeah, 100% correct, DC. All right, All right, guys. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back, and uh, as we head into championship weekend, we will predict and we'll have a little playoff implication of, of how we think. We'll go a little bit more natural than we have all season long, um, and then we'll get into some basketball talk. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are back. The playoff committee released the newest playoff rankings heading into championship weekend. Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, and Georgia are your top four seeds going into the conference championship games. Utah's fifth, Oklahoma's sixth, and Baylor is seventh. With Wisconsin eighth, with an outside chance if you uh, pull off the major upset versus Ohio State. But guys, going into this weekend, we'll make some picks on all these games at the end of the show. Who do you think is getting these four seeds in the playoffs? Champ, we'll start with you. Uh, I think the top three are going to remain the same. I think Wisconsin takes care of business. They're going to be number er, Wisconsin. Ohio State takes care of business against Wisconsin. Remains number one. I think LSU does the same. Remains number two. Clemson, we do, do we even need to talk about the ACC <laughs> championship. That's going to be a layup. Nope. They remain number three. And I think Utah, I think, is is going to jump into that number four spot. They're going to get a big win against Oregon. I've been touting Utah all year. I've, I've been very impressed with them. We were all together. We laid a little money on them. We won a little money on them. That was nice. I think Utah's good. I think they're going to be that number four seed. I don't know how they're going to do in the playoff, but I think they're going to beat Oregon, and I think they're going to get that last spot. And I think it's warranted. If, if everything goes how we think it's going to go this weekend, I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty much thinking chalk, and Utah gets the win. I think the, the committee, by the rankings this week, show, is showing that Utah's going to get that four spot ahead of an Oklahoma that's the number six team in the nation going into this, these games. I think by putting Utah number five, it shows if they take care of business against Oregon, they slide into that number four spot and are in the in the college football playoff. Jerry, you were a Pac-12 hater all season long. Yep. If Utah wins, are they getting into that playoff spot? I don't think so. I think if Oklahoma can pull off another victory against number seven Baylor, whose only loss is against Oklahoma and that barn burner that was 34-31 Oklahoma. Yeah, they also couple... haven't played anybody all year. Baylor's schedule is one of the worst in the nation. Okay, that's fine. But right now they are currently number seven in those same rankings that you were just talking about with one loss against Oklahoma in a three-point game. So if they go back into this and they beat Baylor again, I just think Oklahoma having beaten a number 11 Texas, having beaten number 13 Baylor, number 7 Baylor, and Oklahoma State, I just think that that schedule and those amount of wins with a one-score loss against Kansas State, who is a better team than everybody gave them credit for, and another team we won money on when we were in AC together, I just think that Oklahoma deserves to get in. I don't see the talent in the Pac-12. I don't think Oregon is as good as Baylor. And head-to-head, I think Baylor actually wins that game. So I just really think that Oklahoma is going to end up jumping Utah, and uh, we'll see how those games play out. But outside of that four slot, I agree with you. Ohio State, we've seen this game before with Wisconsin. They're going to run the table against these guys. It's no, that's no ill will towards Wisconsin. I just think Ohio State's that team. And honestly, they're my pick to win the whole thing this year, having seen them live and having been a hater early on against Justin Fields and this team. All took was a trip to the shoe for Jerry to get on board with the Ohio State Buckeyes. I'm kind of with I'm with Champ. I mean, I think if Utah wins, they get in. I think their defense is 
just remarkable. I think a lot of times in college football, we don't give respect to the defenses that play across the country. I think, Jerry, you bring up a good point, though. I think the committee has an easy out. If Oklahoma has an impressive win versus Baylor, they can tout it being over a higher-ranked team than beating Oregon, so they could jump Oklahoma over Utah. Mm-hmm. But I do think at the end of the day, Utah winning takes care of business, and I think that they're putting their uh, cards on the table a week early by putting Utah fifth in the country. But I do think, right, like, and also from a fan perspective, I'd rather see Ohio State play Utah's defense than Ohio State play Oklahoma. Yeah, because we all know what's going to happen if they play Oklahoma. Oklahoma's going to score like 31 points, and Ohio State's going to beat them like 56 to 31. I mean, they can't stop that offense. Oklahoma can't <laughs> Will stop they score anybody. Utah's offense. not stopping them either, champ. <laughs> Utah has one of the best. Maybe, I think Utah has the best defense in I, the nation. I, Kyle I, Whittingham's <laughs> unit is phenomenal, and they have a hell of a lot better chance of not necessarily stopping them, but maybe holding them to 35 points or making it a, a more competitive game than Oklahoma does. Yeah, everybody loves offense and Jalen Hurts and all these points that Oklahoma can score, but their defense is piss poor, and it has been for years. Give me a team that plays defense, and Kyle Whittingham's Utah unit does that and put them in the playoff. If they win, they should be in. What is Utah's best win this season outside of Arizona State? Uh, let's go through the schedule. Utah won at BYU. BYU's not a bad team. I mean, they won 7-5 and five this year. That's a road victory. They beat Northern Illinois. Their next game, Northern Illinois blows. Then they beat <laughs> Idaho State, who blows. They, their only loss is USC. They beat Washington State, who had a down year. They were 6-6. Six and six. They hammered Oregon State. They hammered Arizona State. They hammered Cal. They went to Washington, got a big win there. Washington was ranked at the time of that victory. They hammered UCLA. They hammered Arizona, and they hammered Colorado. They might not have a great defining win, but they destroyed every team that they played. So, yes, the Pac-12 may be a little down this year, but Utah did all they could. They dominated every team they played. If they beat Oregon, that's probably their best win of the season in the Pac-12 championship. And would you rather, as a committee member, look have a team that lost to uh, USC or the team that lost to Kansas State? Yeah, exactly. USC is ranked. Why? USC is 8-4. Kansas State was 8-4. What's the deal? Why is that such a shocking thing? Because USC is a better team than Kansas State. Why? The committee says are. so. I don't see Kansas State in the rankings this week. I see USC in the rankings. Kansas State just smoked Iowa State. They know how good they are. Well, yeah, Iowa State's not very good. So Kansas State is also. Well, everything I've Iowa seen State on Twitter is, is Iowa State's great. a very good football team. They went seven and five, naming their two best wins. <sighs> I cannot. I don't. I mean, let's not talk up the Big Twelve like it's this amazing conference. I'm not. You I'm shit just on saying. The Pac-12, that's fine. But the, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are right there with each other. I'm They're just saying, I think Oklahoma's schedule is a little more difficult to navigate, and I think they did so just as well as Utah. And, yes, they might have a great defense, but Ohio, nobody's stopping Ohio State except for LSU. Okay, how about this hypothetical? What if they both lose? What if Oklahoma and Utah loses, and let's say Georgia keeps it close against LSU? Then Georgia, Georgia stays Georgia put. Four? Yeah. Or... Does Baylor jump in and is Baylor your number four team? You're talking about how good Baylor is if they beat Oklahoma 
Why not them jumping in there? Because Georgia would have two losses, one in a three-point game against South Carolina, and their next loss is against LSU, who has hammered basically everybody this entire season. And they kept okay. it close in a conference championship game. To me, that's more important than Baylor's. But s- Baylor won a conference championship game, and their only loss came to its Oklahoma, conference. And right. then they would they would then redeem that loss by beating them in the Big 12 championship game. No. I just Georgia's played a tougher schedule, and they are, I just think, a better team. So why not? What if Georgia loses by a last-second field goal to LSU, and both of those teams win? Why not just keep Georgia there at number four? Well, because those teams won then. I mean, if you're 11-1 and one, you win your championship <laughs> team, I would want well, that would make them 12-1. and, one, and Correct, still, right. Baylor would still be 12-1 and one in the first scenario I just said. Not, not Baylor, though. I'm talking Oklahoma or Utah. This is the Oklahoma or Utah thing. Baylor is way, way outside looking in. Okay. Baylor, so gets, if, Baylor gets jumped by a Wisconsin team that beats Ohio State. How, how do you, I, I just don't understand how you have Baylor so far behind Oklahoma when Baylor's one loss is to the team ahead of them in the rankings. Yeah, by one spot. I just I think Baylor's a good football team. I just think Georgia's a better one. But you're talking to a guy. No, I, 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 that's fine. But how does that how does that argument hold with Georgia versus again versus Baylor, but not Oklahoma when Oklahoma's losses to a Kansas State team, which is arguably the same as Georgia losing to South Carolina. Kansas State was probably a better loss than South Carolina was. Let's be honest. That was a probably. home game. Too I mean, you guys just ripped Kansas State, so they weren't a good football team. And compared to USC, that's a bad loss. I'm just playing hypotheticals. You want to throw these out there? I just want to see what you would have oh, said. That's because I plant my flag in things. You guys just want to play the okey-doke game. Oh, okay. <laughs> you plant your flag in things. All right, Baker Mayfield, relax. <laughs> All right, guys. I think we, we will break down this. We might try to – we're trying to get a guest for next week to preview the playoff a little bit more once it's all final, who's maybe watched a little bit, has a little bit of college football experience – uh, as a little tease for you guys all who can help us break down this playoff once it's set and final. So more to come with that. Let's shift gears and let's go to a little college basketball. Our Iowa Hawkeyes, since we have last spoke, have went to a tournament in Las Vegas and just finished up their ACC Challenge game against Syracuse. And I have to say, from where we talked to them last week to this week, things are, are much, much different and much, much better. Iowa beats Texas Tech, the national runner-ups, a year ago in Vegas and beats Syracuse tonight in Syracuse. And uh, I, I think things might be a little bit better than, than we might have planned. Guys, you guys watched that game versus Syracuse more closely than I did as I had some work functions to deal with. But what were your big takeaways? What's your biggest takeaway, champ, from the game versus Syracuse tonight for the, for the Hawkeyes? I had two big takeaways. My two biggest takeaways were Luca Garza might be the best player in the Big Ten right now. He is playing that way. He is absolutely dominating games. Another huge game tonight against Syracuse. He he had that back line working against that zone. He was scoring at will, getting rebounds, offensive rebounds, getting fouled, and ones. He's looking great on the year, honestly. He's averaging over 20 points a game. Another wonderful performance tonight. Let's pick up the box score. He had... 23 points and 9 rebounds against Cuse on the road. Played 36 minutes, too. I mean, when's the last time 
Luca has played that many minutes in a game. I mean, last year he was playing like 20 minutes a game. Now he's playing these huge minutes. And my second biggest takeaway from the Syracuse game is Joe Wieskamp. That first half, Iowa's offense struggled, and Joe Wieskamp was the only guy hitting shots consistently in that first half. He had three big threes in the first half to keep Iowa in that game. And then the second half, guys like Bohannon and Garza started heating up, and he didn't have to do much. But still, a nice outing. He also played 36 minutes, 13 points for him, nine rebounds, and played great defense on Syracuse, dominated defensively. And those were two huge takeaways, not only in the Syracuse game, but in the Texas Tech game and even in the San Diego State game, what they lost. Both of those guys played very well in all three of those games. Absolutely. Jerry, before we start recording, you, uh, I caught you mid-conversation about, about Fram maybe playing a tighter rotation. Is that helping this Iowa Hawkeye team in a game like this for Syracuse? I hate to put it this way, but the injuries have forced Fran McCaffrey's hand. And Fran, it's a detriment to him almost every single year, and it drives me nuts. It's like the one thing that really drives me crazy about him beyond the timeouts and not using them. It's the fact that he loves running 12- and 13-man lineups and rotations. He loves using every single horse in his stable. And when he's forced to play eight guys like he did tonight, yes, Jordan Bohannon played 37 minutes, Wieskamp played 36, Connor played 36. Like, that's a lot of minutes to play, and you can't do that consistently. But when you're forced to just play your best players in these small ball lineups that can shoot the ball really, really well, it puts a big strain on these college basketball defenses. We all know what Syracuse likes to do on defense. And the fact that Iowa just kept their shooters out there all game long and they weren't able to defend it and they were making big-time buckets is huge. And like Champ mentioned, the fact that Wieskamp was really good in the first half and then Jordan Bohanna got caught a little fire in the second half, that was absolutely – it was ginormous for this team. But, yes, Fran McCaffrey not having all of the people to be able to just instill into the lineup is huge for Iowa. So where do you guys sit right now in the Jordan Bohannon decision? Should he still maybe shut it down? Should he keep going based on, on how he's been playing? He, uh, Jerry, you said today he played 37 minutes for Syracuse on a, and a not 100% hip. Is he worth to keep running out there this for this year for this season? Yes. I think so, too. The way he played tonight in the second half, he was just draining threes left and right. Five threes in the second half for J-Bo. I would keep running him out there. I mean, he's he's Iowa's best shooter. Him and Wieskamp are their two best shooters perimeter on the perimeter, and they showed it tonight. I mean, I understand he's not 100%, but you got to keep playing him. He, he wants to be out there. It's his senior year, and I think if he keeps playing like this and the rest of the guys do, they're going to be a tournament team. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard when you beat Texas Tech the way they looked on, on Thanksgiving night when you go on the road to Syracuse, tough place to play against his own defense and and shoot capably on the road over it and, and win that game easily. Champ, I think you're right, man. I, I don't think there's – if they continue playing this way, they are a tournament team in my mind. If you got Luca Garza, Champ, you're right. He's playing like one of the best players in the Big Ten right now. If he keeps this up all year, th- there's no reason this team shouldn't go to the tournament. Guys, their two losses are against two undefeated teams. That play each other <laughs> right. tomorrow. <laughs> like, the, Iowa's playing pretty good basketball right now. In fact, really good basketball. And we should all be excited to continue to watch them. But, yes, Jordan Bohannon, he's a game-breaker. And you have to keep playing a game-breaker. 
I, I totally agree. Um, guys, anything else from a basketball standpoint do you guys want to touch on? I think we, we hit the big points. Great wins, great effort, gutsy performance, going small, tighter rotations, all things that I was doing really, really well right now and hopefully continues as the season progresses because this is not an easy schedule. Yeah, I'm excited for this weekend's game against Michigan. I'm excited to see what they can do. I'm not expecting them by any means to go into Michigan and get a win. But if they can play a good game, keep it close, I think it's going to be a pretty good Big Ten season for the Hawkeyes. It's just it's yet another test. Jerry, any other basketball thoughts before we switch gears, wrap the show with some conference championship football picks? Nope, hopefully it just keeps on trending the way it is right now. Absolutely. All right, guys, let's wrap the show this week. With some picks across college football, it is college football championship Saturday or college football championship weekend because the Pac-12 gets us started Friday night. Utah, Oregon, Utah's six-and-a-half-point favorites. Champ, who you picking? I, I like the Utes, Kyle. Like I said, Kyle Winningham's defense I think is the best in the nation. I think Utah goes in there, and I think they even need – like Jerry is predicting, they may need to put it on Oregon a little bit to make sure they get into the playoff. So I like Utah by a couple touchdowns. Jerry, what do you say? I like Utah too, but as Champ just mentioned, they can't just win like a whole hum Iowa-style 24-21 game. They, they need to show that they're a little bit better than – than that, because if they're if they're only winning th- by three points against Oregon, they're going to get blown off. The doors blown off by LSU or Ohio State. Yeah, I think that's fair. I like Utah. I like Utah. Utah to cover pretty easily. It's six and a half. It open at three. It's all the way up to six and a half already. I like Ooh. Utah in that game. I think Utah's going to put on a show, knowing that they're going to make a statement to the committee going into uh, Sunday and their selection day. All right, let's go to the Sun Belt. University of Louisiana versus Appalachian State in Boone, North Carolina. Appalachian State is a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Jer, who are you taking? I'm taking App State. I think that team with their defense is going to get the job done yet again. I'm with you as well. Give me the App State. I think they're the Mountaineers. I think that yeah. sounds right. Champ, uh-huh. who you who you taking? I'm taking Appalachian State, too. Make it a clean sweep. All right, does Oklahoma make it a decision for the committee on Sunday? They play Baylor, and they are a nine-point favorite. Champ, kick us off with this one. I like Baylor to cover in this game. I I just don't believe in Oklahoma's offense enough for that. Or their offense, I believe in. I don't believe in their defense enough. I was about to say, what? To (laughs) to stop Baylor. Baylor's going to run the ball. They've run the ball all year. And I think they're gonna they're gonna keep this game close. I think it's gonna be in the 30s, maybe the 40s. But I think Baylor is gonna be able to cover the spread here against the Sooners. Jared, Jared, who are you taking? DC, you mentioned a statement game for Utah. This is my statement game pick for Oklahoma. They are going to do everything they can because they know Georgia is going to get their asses kicked by LSU. Oklahoma is going to win this game by three touchdowns. Jalen Hurts is going to end his collegiate career showing everybody why he not only does he deserve to go in the first round of the NFL draft, but that Alabama should be pissed that they let him walk out the door for Tua because right now Alabama's on the way outside looking in and he's about to push his Oklahoma Sooners into the playoff where Alabama is not. I, I, I'm with you as well. I think Oklahoma wins this game. I think Oklahoma covers this game. I love Lincoln Riley. I love Jalen Hurts. I've been a big proponent on Twitter of Jalen Hurts being the future quarterback of the Chicago Bears. So what better way to get my crush going even harder than by him just lighting up on on a championship Saturday. 
but I still like Utah to get in the, in the playoff at the end of the day. Let's go to the AAC, Cincinnati and Memphis. Memphis is a nine-and-a-half point favorite. Jer, who are you taking in this one? Um, I think I'm going to go ahead and take – God, these teams just played. I think it's Memphis. The offense is just too strong. I know Cincinnati's built on D. I just – I think they covered last week. I can't really remember, but I know that Memphis is capable of winning by double digits, so I'm going to take Memphis. Champ, who are you picking? I'm taking Cincinnati. I, I, the theme up to me this weekend is going to be defense is stepping up, and I think Cincinnati wins this game outright. You talked about how they just played last week. They did. Memphis won 34-24. I think Cincinnati's going to make some adjustments, and I think they're going to win this game outright, so I definitely like the 9.5 points they're getting. I love the nine and a half points. I love Cincinnati. I love their defense, and I'm a big fan of Luke Fickle. So give me Cincinnati to cover this spread, and I think champion right. I think they win outright. I love Cincinnati. Let's go to the SEC, Georgia, LSU. LSU's a seven-point favorite in Atlanta. Champ, who are you picking? I'm going LSU. I think they've been the second most impressive team all year. Joe Burrow is the best player in the country, I think. I think he wins the Heisman. And I think they're – talk about a classy gesture last week, what he did Love for those that. fans at LSU. One of the coolest things all year. That was so awesome. And I think Burrow and LSU is going to hammer. I think they're going to – I don't – I'm not as big of a Georgia guy as a lot of people are. I've watched them a couple times this year. And I've been impressed, but I haven't been impressed to the fact that I think they can keep a game with LSU. I think LSU is going to win this game by 17 points. So give me the Tigers. Go Tigers. All right. Jerry, as much as I am a Jalen Hurts guy, you are a Jake Fromm guy. I is am. Georgia Is Georgia covering this spread? They're not. I could be <laughs> the biggest Jake Fromm guy on the planet. But LSU and Joe Burrow have the most swag out of anybody I've seen outside of that team in Columbus. LSU is rolling. They're destined to win to go to the title game, and I can't wait to watch them play Ohio State. That's the final two. All right, and let's go to the Mountain West. Hawaii and Boise State. Boise State's a 14-point favorite. Who you got? Jared, click things off this one. Sure, Boise State. I don't know. Hawaii, I've never, I haven't watched a Hawaii game in my life because they play at like 1 in the morning. I, I watched Hawaii. So my honeymoon was the very first weekend of college football, so I got to watch Hawaii because I was in Hawaii. Fun, fun team. Champa, who, who are you picking? Give me Cole McDonald and the Hawaii. What is their uh, – Rainbow Warriors, moron. Rainbow Warriors. I, they're, they're just the Warriors now. No, I think they're Rainbow Warriors. No, they are Rainbow Warriors. I could, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, they're the Rainbow my Warriors. My app, my app just says Warriors. So, no, well, my app says Rainbow Warriors. So we'll never know. But I think they're going to cover <laughs> the spread for that hook. I know Jer loves the hook, so give me the Rainbow Warriors plus the 14 and a half. All right, I'm going to take Boise State to cover that as well. Let's go to the ACC: Virginia and Clemson. Clemson, 28 and a half point favorite. This is the by far. The biggest spread. I mean, I'm pretty sure I know who you both are picking, but Champ kicked things off. Clemson's absolutely. This game's going to be over by halftime. It's a, the ACC is honestly pathetic. They might need like a realignment or something to get some actual teams in there to compete with Clemson because no one even talks about Clemson because they play such a shit competition each year. They're still a very good team, and I think they're going to give either Ohio State or LSU a damn good game in that playoff. 
But this week, they're going to hammer Virginia. They're going to win by 35-plus. I tend to agree. Virginia's division, they had seven different champions in seven straight years. They did the complete round-robin of division winners in seven straight seasons, but I think Clemson covers that easily. Jer, what about you? Uh, with yeah, I, I've watched like a half of Clemson at this point in the season, just because all their games are literally over by the second start of the second quarter. That's not that they just haven't been a fun like t- game team to watch. So I'll take Clemson covering this one too. Virginia, I honestly haven't watched a single game of them all year long. They can't be that good. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think part of part of the reason is because Clemson doesn't have anybody to challenge them in their conference. They don't have an SEC schedule. They don't have the Big Ten schedule with Ohio State. They had to go to Wisconsin, Penn State, yep. Michigan, all uh, Michigan State, everything. You don't have that when you're Clemson, so they're all they're all bent out of shape because they don't feel like they're not getting the respect they deserve. But they haven't had to play anybody. So yes, I think Clemson rolls. I think they're trying to prove a point too, just just as much as Oklahoma or just Oklahoma and Utah are this weekend. Give me Clemson. Let's wrap things up with the Big Ten. Our bread and butter. Ohio State is a 16.5-point favorite versus Wisconsin Saturday night in Indianapolis. Jer, who are you taking? Sorry, Bucky, but I'm taking the Ohio State Buckeyes. Martin Graham took me to a wonderful game in Columbus, and I can't. I like. I'm still star. I have like stars in my eyes from Columbus. I am. I'm beyond thrilled, and I will never doubt them again. They are winners at heart. Their fans know it. The town knows it. The team knows it. LSU, Ohio State. I am honestly giddy just to watch that game. Champ, who are you picking? I'm taking the Buckeyes as well. I mean, they absolutely took it to Michigan last week. Chop. I mean. Fields and uh, Dobbins. What am I? Dobbins just absolutely dominated that game. Dobbins showed. Sorry, Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Jerome's right. Yes! is the best running yes! back in the Big Ten. 31 carries last week, over 200 yards, catching the ball out of the backfield, too. I mean, they're just too much. Yep. I don't see any way that Wisconsin can even try to contain that offense. And I don't think Wisconsin's going to have enough passing-wise on their side of the ball to compete with Ohio State and keep this close. I like the Buckeyes big. They were my prediction at the beginning of the season, so I'm holding firm now. Ohio State runs away with this and hides. They do not want to face Clemson in the first round of the playoff. They would rather face Clemson in the championship game or LSU. So I think they look to make another statement. Again, statement Saturday in the championship weekend, but I think Ohio State runs away and hides versus this game in Indianapolis versus Wisconsin, so give me the Buckeyes. You, Guys, you, any other thoughts before we wrap the show this week? You mentioned statements, and this goes right back to Champ's last point because I have said this for a very long time before I even went to Columbus. J.K. Dobbins is going to do something similar again this week to make sure everybody knows that he is the most dominant running back in the Big Ten. Are they going to both get to, to the Heisman ceremony, Fields and Dobbins? I mean, is Chase Young going to? No, Chase Young isn't because he got suspended. But those two guys really have a realistic chance to go with Burrow and maybe, in, I don't know, some Jalen Hurts. I don't think like that. you should just write off Chase Young that quickly because he was suspended. There's a lot of love for him on Twitter for a Heisman, at least appearance. I would, I would give it to Dobbins or Fields over Chase Young. I mean, I think they both get there. I think the, the thought is you get all three of those Buckeyes there because I think they've all been really good. I think if anyone doesn't get there, I do think it's Fields. I agree. Because okay. he's a freshman. That makes sense. I just think he, I think statistically, I think Dobbins had the better season. I think Chase yeah. Young had a great season. And Jonathan I, I, Taylor maybe is your last guy? I don't know. 
And that's no knock on Fields. He just hasn't no, been right. that much. Yeah. He, yeah. He, when you have as many weapons as Ohio State has, he, he could, they could do a lot, a lot of the same things with a, with a much lesser quarterback. Yep. I believe he finished with like 39 and one interception. I mean, that's incredible. It's crazy. It's unbelievable that Ohio State's just on a different level than the rest of the Big Ten. All right, guys. Reminder, subscribe to the show on wherever you get your podcasts. Share this with your friends. Follow us on Twitter at BHGP, at Jerry Sherwin, at Shy People's Champ, and at Dave Cray. We will all be together tweeting probably from the same bar booth during the, all these games on Saturday as we are together in Chicago this weekend. So if you're in Chicago, tweet at us. Maybe we'll meet up with you guys. Uh, for Jer, for Champ, I'm DC. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Give Michigan a game. Greg Schiano back. Who cares? <laughs> Trick or treat, Iowa City. <laughs> if you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.